turn your Bibles to John chapter 6 this morning. John chapter 6. I'm going to read, um, start reading in verse 60. It says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It's the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Then he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. I want you to notice what Jesus said there in uh, verse uh, 63. He says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I want to continue this morning on the series of spiritually discerned. I want to, talk, I want to continue talking about things that are spiritually discerned. Last week we talked about the gospel, how it's something spiritually discerned. We see more evidence of that in this passage. And then uh, Sunday night, uh, I don't remember what I talked about Sunday night. Oh, about going on witch hunts. Some people don't have any ability to perceive and to discern you know, the good guys from the bad guys. They're just kind of always on witch hunts. And, you know, it takes some spiritual discernment to get these things right. And another thing uh, that takes some spiritual discernment to understand is the Bible itself. It's the Word of God, which is what I'm talking about this morning. And I, I do want to say at the beginning of this that, you know, I've had this message planned. You all know I was doing this series. I try to find proof that uh, I had this sermon pl planned before some recent drama that has come up. But I just want to say for all the people uh, that are going to watch this message, hoping for another chapter in the soap opera that is the new IFB, all right, you know what, go jump in a lake and go listen to something else. It's not what this has nothing to do with that. This is just what I had planned to preach. And so, uh, you know, I'm sure there's somebody online, somebody in this movement is preaching on reprobates today. Go listen to them. Have fun with that. All right. We're, uh, we mean business here. We're trying to actually get something done and accomplish and be spiritual. And uh, we don't need your carnality uh, corrupting our YouTube channel and leaving things in the comments and the live chat. We don't need you. So anyway, that's for them. Uh, that's, that's for the Internet. But now I want to talk to you all. But notice how Jesus said, you know, the words that I speak, they are spirit. And they are life. And uh, one of the mistakes that people often make when reading it, the Bible is they look at the Bible only as a book of facts, which everything in the Bible is a fact. Okay, That's just a fact. Okay, There's no doubt about it. Every, everything in this Bible is true. It's the Word of God. But some people read it wanting to learn facts. But the truth is there's a spiritual message of these things too. And so you can quote the scriptures. You know, there's a lot of Catholics that can quote John 3.16, yet they still think you have to work your way to heaven. They can quote Ephesians 2.8.9, but they still think you have to work your way to heaven. You know, they know the facts of the verse, but they don't have the spirit of it. They haven't gotten the spiritual message. 
it's completely eluded them. They don't get it at all. And there's many people, they know the facts. They can quote the scriptures to you. They can answer the questions. But there's no doubt to us who are saved, to those of us who have the Holy Spirit, we know that there's something greatly missing that they don't have. We can hear a sermon where a preacher gets up and he can state a lot of facts. He can use a lot of scripture. But there's no doubt they don't have the spirit of this thing down at all. And I'm afraid that's a very common thing in churches today. And you know what? It's not foreign to the IFB, foreign to the IFB world. Many people, they're real good at learning the facts. It's like they read their Bible hoping to learn some facts they can beat somebody over the head with and they miss the spirit of what they just read in that passage and what they're preaching. And so look over what it says in John chapter 8 in verse 4. It says, They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Hey, we know what the Bible says. Moses says she should be stoned. And you know what? They were right. And it says, this set, they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down to his finger and wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So here they are. They're coming to Jesus, telling him to judge something that wasn't his place to judge. He wasn't a judge in the land. He didn't have any authority to put this woman to death. But if he says, stone her, he's in trouble with the government because he doesn't have that authority. If he says, oh no, it's all good, then he goes against the law of God. Either way, he loses, right? But you know, he's just kind of ignoring. He's acting like he doesn't even hear them. You know, I, I need to start being more like Jesus. And let me just throw this in there too. From now on, when y'all ask me, Brother Tommy, do you think so-and-so saved? I'm going to just get down and start writing on the ground. <laughs> I'm so sick of that. People coming to me and, at, you know, like, if they believe on Christ, they're saved. I don't know what's in their hearts. Yeah, but they said this. This is on their doctors. Shut up. All right. Don't ask me that question. What I think is irrelevant. Nobody is going to stand before me on judgment day. But we're going to preach the truth and what other people are doing and saying and their eternal destination. It's not really my problem. I'm not the judge of that. Don't ask me if people are saved. I, I don't need that. I'm writing on the ground. Next time, uh, you'll hold me to that, even if it's in the carpet. You know, I'll figure out some way to do it. But then it says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto him, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they had heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. You know, some people, they read the Bible looking for something to condemn someone with. And you know what's amazing about the Word of God and the law of God? Because it is holy and because 100% of people are not holy, you can always find something to condemn somebody with. That's why we're all sinners. That's why we're all on our way to hell before salvation. And you know, and, and I'm, I'm getting sick of this thing too, where preachers just don't like something. And what do they do? They go and they just find something in the law as an excuse to just condemn everything. And you realize how easy that is, you know, to just condemn everything, you know, and to find something about people for why they're going to hell or why they're a reprobate. And it's just, it, it's pretty nauseating. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of sick of this attitude. And it's like, that's all they go to the Bible for. You know, I don't like this person, so I'm going to go find something in the scriptures to condemn them with. Well, it's not going to be hard to find something. You can find something with everybody. So this is, this is foolishness. 
But that's not why we should be reading these things. That's We should be wanting to get the spiritual message. Because see here, the, the law was given, and I don't have time to go to all the scriptures on this, but it was given to convince us that we're all sinners. That's why it's there. God didn't just put all that in there so you would have something to go beat everybody over the head with. God put that in there so you would read it and not have any problem coming to the conclusion, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. That's what you're supposed to get from it. But some of you, all you get from it, oh, man, I just found out how bad my neighbor is. I just found out how bad you know this other person in the church is. Hey, I don't like this person. I found something I can make a video about. about. I can do a Facebook post against them about because look at what they did. Look at what they are. They are condemned. We're all condemned. And that's all some people read the Bible for. You're missing the point. God wanted to show you that you're a sinner and that you are dependent on the grace of God and you're dependent on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to get you out of hell. And some people are missing that. And it's amazing. Well, you say, I figured that I got saved, yet you have no, you have no grace and you're like, none whatsoever. You claim to have been a, a recipient of the grace and the forgiveness and the love of God, and you have none to show for anyone else. You, my friend, have missed the spiritual message. Yeah, you're right on your facts. Yes, they're all condemned. Yeah, they're all bad. Yeah, you're, you're right on that. But you know what? You are like that Pharisee that went in and prayed, I'm thankful I'm not like this publican. And you know what? You're leaving the house of God not justified while the publicans are out there getting their salvation. They're getting forgiveness. And they're getting the blessings of God on their life. So these people that brought the woman to Jesus, they were not looking for justice. They were looking for an opportunity to accuse him. It flat out says that. They didn't bring him, bring her to him because they just love justice. No, they did it because they wanted to accuse him. That was all there was to it. And that's why many people, they read their Bible, they want to find out the facts for why everybody's bad so they can condemn, so they can accuse, like the devil. They want to be that accuser of the brethren. And so they wanted Jesus to condemn her. But you know what Jesus ended up doing? Here's what Jesus did, okay? This isn't where he magically got rid of the death penalty. You know what Jesus did when he made that statement? He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. He condemned all of them. He said, you're all condemned. That's what he was doing right there, which is what the law was supposed to do. That's what some people, they're not getting. The law condemns us all. Congratulations. You found a sin in somebody's life, so you can get up and preach a sermon against them. But you know what? You're condemned too. They can turn around and preach a sermon against you because we're all condemned. And so that's what Jesus did. He just condemned all of them. Hey, you're all deserve to die. Y'all are on your way to hell. That's what he did right there. And many love sermons on the death penalty because it provides them the information that they need to come up with more people that shouldn't be alive so that they can hate. If I was preaching a message on the death penalty, I would get way more views too. You put death penalty in it and you get it. And a lot of it's the haters wanting to see who we're going to try to, you know, who we want killed. You know, that, that's a lot of it right there. But a lot of it's the nut jobs that are just looking for some more people to hate. And, you know, but sermons on the death penalty should make all of us thankful for grace and mercy. That's what it should do. It should strike fear in our hearts because it shows us how serious God is about sin. We're not supposed to be like Pastor Twinkle Toes in his skinny jeans that we, you know, we're just trying to make everybody feel good and, you know, talk about how, you know, God is gracious. No, we should preach these things so people will see sin's a big deal. 
God puts the death penalty on stuff like that. And we act like it's no big deal and you know nobody's going to go to hell. No, we preach these things to show the seriousness of sin. That's why we do these things so people will again see their need for a savior and somehow at some point we got off track with this death penalty thing because we forgot that the purpose of these teachings they are not to teach us who we can all say should be dead, but to show us the seriousness of our sin. But yet some people, they just want to learn these facts so they can fantasize about more people that they'd be putting to death if they ever become the king. That's all there is to it. And it's ridiculous. And you know what they do too, you know, in, in, their, in reality, they want to put everybody to death that they just don't like. And did you know everybody that you don't like, you can find something in the law to condemn them with? Yeah, and that's all some people are reading it for. Great. You're correct on the facts. Yes, these people should be put to death. Congratulations. You're correct on the facts, but you are missing the spiritual message of it. You have no spiritual discernment in these things, and therefore, your knowledge does you no good. You accomplish nothing with your facts that you've learned. So, so, so some people read the Bible like a Pharisee, looking for someone to condemn somebody with. And, uh, some people read the Bible trying to gain knowledge as a way to split hairs with everyone who's not as right as they are. That's why they're doing it. It's a way to cause division. And when you do this, you're capable of learning facts about what the Scripture says, but you're going to miss the spiritual message. That's what's going to happen. See, in John chapter 6, and we don't, we don't have time to go through the whole chapter, but this is the chapter where they come back to Jesus. He fed them with bread the day before, and the next day they got hungry again. He did that miracle with the bread on one day, but the next day they're hungry again, and they come to Jesus wanting more bread, and Jesus preaches, I am the bread of life. I am the bread. You need to eat my flesh. You need to eat my body. Well, that's not real clear. Well, actually it is if you look at it spiritually. But these people are like, What's, what is he talking about? They weren't getting it. And once they realized, wait a minute, he's speaking figuratively here. He's speaking spiritually here. You know what? They all left. It says many of his disciples, not referring to the 12, but other followers of his says, you know what? Forget this. This isn't what I signed up for. This is what I came for. They left. And that's when Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, will ye also go away? And they, they didn't like this message that Jesus gave. And, you know, some people have turned, they've taken verses about salvation, okay? Because Jesus is talking about salvation here when he's saying, you got to eat my body, okay? Y'all realize what he just, he's saying, you must eat my flesh. Now, factually speaking, what is it to eat someone's flesh? That's cannibalism, isn't it? Factually speaking. Yes, that's a fact. You eat Jesus' flesh, you're a cannibal. Okay? The, the Catholics think they do that when they're taking communion, don't they? They li- literally think they're eating the body of Jesus. You know what? They are missing the spiritual message of that. And that's why Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit. They are life. And many people today, they're so carnal. Okay? Their, their hearts are so wicked, even when it comes to verses on salvation they have taken those things and turned it into a carnal thing. And they all they do is they create division with some of the clearest passages on salvation that there is. Turn over to Romans chapter 10, and I'll show you. Because here's what they're doing. 
Here's what people are doing with the Word of God today. They're literally turning verses about salvation into magic words and incantations. That's literally what they're doing. That if you don't follow the instructions to the letter, then you're not saved. And that's why these people are so anxious to always get up. They're not saved. This person's not saved. He said repent of sins. They're not even saved. You, no, you're missing the point here. Okay, some people with bad terminology, they get the spiritual message. Some people with perfect terminology, they don't even know what the spiritual message is at all. Okay, the guy who's saved is the one who's got the spiritual message. Understand that. Salvation is not about magic words. Okay, so let's, Romans 10. Okay, we all know this passage. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now this is a very clear passage here. One that should bring great comfort and joy to our hearts. One that often does when we are out soul winning and we tell people this. But often some of these people, they end up in church and they're just as lost as Adam's house cat. And they come into church and they will take these verses and they will turn them, they will take away the spirit from them and turn it into a carnal thing, basically transforming these words into like magic words and incantations. Okay, now what do I mean by that? Well, first, for example, people will often come in asking the question, okay, now hear me out on this, but they, they like to bring up this, does a person have to pray to get saved? Have you ever heard of that stupid debate? And folks, this is a stupid debate. Does a person have to call on the Lord to be saved? Meaning, do you have to, well, folks, it says right here, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You better believe you have to call on the Lord to be saved. Okay, now listen, Mr. Carnality. Now all of a sudden what some of you are thinking right now is, well, you know, so does that mean we have to pray? I mean, I, I, you know, so what if a person doesn't know how to talk? You know, what if a guy is laying on his deathbed with an oxygen tube down his throat? And you give him the gospel, he's, the Bible says, with the mouth. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I mean, isn't that what it's, is, do we not believe every word of this Bible? Folks, it says, with the mouth. So how can you pray without, you waited too long, you got the oxygen tube down your throat. And I've heard stories of people witnessing to somebody and kind of telling them, and you know, and they'll do it like that, communicate through squeezing their hand or blinking, things like that. And they will like acknowledge these things. And folks, if they did, I believe that person got saved. But how can they call? The Bible says with the mouth. You see, you're turning this into like a magical incantation where everything's got to be right. The words have got to be right. You've got to have all these certain artifacts and things present. We'll see more of this as we go. But people bring this up. But hey, turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 1. All right, Let me just show you something in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Because there's going to be some idiots that are going to come along and know... The person must pray. They must, with their mouth, say a prayer and ask the Lord to save them. That's what it says in Romans chapter 10. Well, look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 10. This is when Hannah's praying. It says that she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, these are her words. If thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto to thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give un, him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. 
And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. So notice, she said a prayer. The Bible gives us the words of her prayer, but you know what? No sound came from her mouth. But it does say she moved her lips. So a person must at least move their lips <laughs> to the prayer in the magical incantation. That gets, do you all see where you're missing the spiritual message on that? Okay, A person can call from the heart. Often when we pray, we don't know even know how to pray as we ought to, but the Holy Spirit helps us pray. The Bible teaches us that. And if a person believes in their heart and they call on the Lord from the heart, the Holy Spirit is going to help them say whatever needs to be said to get them saved. And folks, the words on the prayer on the tracks on our, on our uh, track rack out there, those aren't magic words to get you saved. Somebody might say something different. Somebody might say something like, have mercy on me, a sinner. They might say something, Lord, remember me when thou goest into thy kingdom. There's a bunch of different things that could be said. What's important, though, yes, everyone who gets saved, they must call. But, okay, I didn't hear them do it from their mouth. doesn't mean they didn't call on the Lord. You can do it, and you have to do it from the heart. It tells it with the heart. But you've got morons that are always wanting to bring up this debate. Why are we even talking about it? If a person gets saved, yes, they call on the Lord. I need to know when they did it. I need to know what they said. I need to know, I need to know if they at least moved their lips to whatever they said. No, that's just that's foolish. You're carnal. You're missing the point. You're missing the spiritual application of this. Okay, so this mean this shows me that a mute person, somebody incapable of speaking, can be saved. Even if they don't use their mouth. Okay? So uh another thing, another question too, and this is a dumb question. I hope I don't offend anybody with this. This is this is a stupid argument. This is a stupid question people bring up. And that is can a person get saved by reading a tract? Okay, now let me just answer that for you. And that's yes. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What does it say in Romans 10, 14? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? In our magical incantation that gets us saved, we must also have a saved preacher there present, someone in the flesh. Because it says also too in verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. No, it's talking about their sound. Okay, you got to have hearing. Somebody must be there speaking a prayer. You can't have reading. Why doesn't it say reading? It says preaching. It says hearing. Therefore, you must have audio. Well, look what it says in Luke 16 and verse 27. So then he said, I pray thee therefore, this is the rich man who's in hell, speaking out to uh, Abraham, or Moses or Abraham, Father, that thou wouldst send him, talking about Lazarus, to my father's house. Okay? The rich man's got five brothers that he doesn't want to go to hell. So he tells Abraham, send Lazarus to my five brethren, because of course, if a man rises from the dead, my brothers will believe that. I mean, if somebody came from that from the dead and went and warned them, my brothers will get saved. That's what the rich man's thinking in hell. But listen to what Abraham said. It says in verse 29, Abraham said, saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, 
let them hear them. Okay, let them hear them. Well, how can they hear Mo- Moses? Is already dead at this point. How are they going to hear Moses? It's from reading Moses. Okay, the words of God are preaching. Okay, when I read the Sermon on the Mount, that's Jesus preaching to me. When I read the words of Paul, that is Paul preaching to me. And so just because I'm not audibly hearing it doesn't mean I'm not getting preaching. Okay, when we have pre- the preaching of Stephen, we've all heard the preaching of Stephen when we read the preaching of Stephen, when we heard those words. So when a person, for them to get saved, yes, they have to have a preacher, but why doesn't the Apostle Paul count? In the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, it means Ecclesiastes or the preacher. It says in verse chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And when you are reading these things, it's preaching. That gospel track out there, it has the words of God in it. It has the gospel message in it. That's preaching. Okay? That is preaching. Well, I don't see him doing that in the Bible. You know, I also don't see him having printing presses in the Bible. I don't see Bibles being widely distributed. I guarantee if they had had some of these things, they'd have given it out because we do see that it was a pretty big deal to be reading the Scriptures, but they had to go to the synagogues to do things like that because it was so rare. Obviously, you know, doing it vocally, going from person to person and house to house was the best way, especially back then, but it doesn't mean it was the only way to do it. And I'm telling you right now, a person can get saved from reading their Bible, from reading a track. Why? Because they're getting preached to through those things. But some of you, it's all about the audio. It's all about decibels because you miss the spiritual message of these things. And there is a spiritual message when it comes to hearing. It says in Matthew eleven fourteen, And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Why is Jesus excluding the deaf people? Isn't that kind of discriminatory? You know, only ears to hear. So he's saying, if, you, if you're deaf, don't listen to me. Is that what Jesus is saying right there? No. He's talking about those who are willing to listen. Those who are, are open to the truth. That's what he's talking about. It says in Hebrews 5.11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Well, you shouldn't make fun of people who are hearing impaired. This wasn't physically. This was spiritually. For when the time, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So the problem that these people had a spiritual hearing problem, not a physical hearing problem. That's the same thing that the, Jesus dealt with with the Jews during that day. They had a spiritual hearing problem. They had a spiritual seeing problem. Now what was what was wrong? But some people are looking at this today, and no, Bible says faith cometh by hearing, and therefore, you know, audio. Reading the preaching doesn't count. Folks, that's just dumb. Okay? That's foolishness. Obviously, we don't want to use a track as a substitute. Because most people aren't going to read it. Okay? And I get it. Some people think, in a lot of churches, they're just, you know, pass out tracks everywhere, but they don't, they don't say anything from their mouth. Okay? Now, if everybody was going to read those tracts, I believe it would be effective, but it's more effective when there's a Holy Spirit-filled soul winner doing it. We don't use that as a substitute, okay? And we don't use that, passing out tracts, and say we did our job just with that, but it doesn't mean it doesn't do anything. 
And to say somebody can't get safe from that, that's just foolish. That's you just taking a hardcore right-wing stand, and you're getting imbalanced. Okay, you're off. And we're not going to put that stuff to you. We're not just going to do a helicopter drop of tracks and say we canvass the whole area. That's not what we're going to do. But, you know, we're going to leave tracks, and we're going to give those out to people who don't talk to us. Because if they read that, you know what? They're, they might hear the preaching, in other words, understand and listen to what is written in there. And they, if they do, they will get saved. So you need, you need to understand that this is people going ultra-literal again. Miss, it's when salvation, if anything is spiritual, it would be salvation, wouldn't it? But yet they go ultra-literal on these things and just use this to cause division. It's, it's dumb. All right, this is this is foolish. I'm not trying to be mean. This is dumb stuff that we're talking about. And so hearing in the Bible, it's often referring to understanding or having a willing heart to listen. But for many, it's about the audio. Mark 8, 17, when Jesus knew it, he said to them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have your ye your heart been hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? He's speaking spiritually here. So for some for some people, they've made salvation about the magical words that you must say. You must have the physical preacher present. And if they're not saved, then it doesn't count. Okay? You say, well, can a lost person get somebody saved? Listen, that's a dumb question. Okay? And here, here's why it's a dumb question. It, if a person... Here's the message of the gospel, and they believe it. They get saved. What magical things were present at the time don't really matter. If the message got to and God can use all kinds of different things. Okay? But here's why I refuse to even go down that path, is when somebody gets saved, we check our salvation based on the word of God, right? So what if you got saved? You believed on Christ, but it turns out the person that led you in the sinner's prayer, you find out later was lost. You got to go do it all over again. You know that's that's just foolish. These are things that people come up with these weird hypotheticals. You know, oh, a good tree can't bring forth good fruit. But wait a minute, is the soul under the tree or is Jesus the tree? I thought he was the vine and we were the branches. Okay, a lot of these carnal illustrations that Jesus would use, people are taking them too far. Okay, and I get it. There's people out there we don't like. There's preachers out there we don't like. That we've declared unsaved. We want, we want to make sure no good gets attributed to them at all. But, you know, it's, don't worry about them. Just worry about yourself and stop coming up with dumb stuff. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. This, this is carnality at its finest, folks. People taking the words of God that are spirit and making them into carnal things. It's weird. It's wrong. I, I don't like it at all. And, you know, because... Uh, well, look at what it says in Acts fifteen twenty one. Okay, because again, if somebody reads the Sermon on the Mount, they're being, being preached to by Jesus. Okay, and it doesn't it, it doesn't only count. Well, it only counts if they're listening to Alexander Scurvy, you know, because then there's the audio. I'm sorry, you, you know, I, I don't know what to say to that. But Acts fifteen twenty one. Listen to what it says for Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. And this is when they were telling these, you know, these Gentiles that got saved and telling them to abstain from pollution of the vitals, fornication, all these things. 
because they didn't want to offend the Jews that were in every city where Moses was being preached by them that read him. Moses was preaching in all the synagogues. How was he doing that when he was dead? His words were there, and they were reading those words, and so Moses was being preached by people who read them. Okay? Uh, so this is this is for you know this here is just for all of you that just need the facts, all right? Because here's the facts. Here's what it says. But again, some people they're they're, they're not they're still not going to get the spiritual thing message to it. So isn't it interesting when we read about people getting saved in the Bible? We rarely see what all they did when getting saved. Do you know it's hard to pinpoint the moment that most people got saved in the Bible? Have you, ever, have you ever noticed something reading, you know, hey, at what exact moment did Paul get saved? You know, exactly when did, you know, the disciples get saved? You know, there's all these examples in the Bible where it's hard to say. You know, the thief on the cross, did he get saved at the moment he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom? Or was it something that happened in his heart before? The Bible does not pinpoint these moments for us. And I, I believe the real reason is because if, it, if they did, Okay, let's just say the Bible told us a story about a man who got saved, and in that, and in the, this man during the service, the preaching was going on, and in the altar call came, and as the piano began to play, the Holy Spirit got all over him like ugly on an ape. That man came down to the altar. He got down on, and the Bible says it this way: He got down on his knees. A soul winner came and put his arm around him and showed him the scriptures and asked him if he believed those things. And right there at the old-fashioned altar, kneeling down, he went and he prayed and asked the Lord to forgive him of his sins. And he gave us the exact words he said, and he got saved at that moment. If he would have, if, if the rapture would have come five seconds earlier, he'd have gone to hell. You know, if he'd have died right with it, he'd have, he'd have gone to hell. But at that moment, when the amen came out of his mouth, he got saved. Now, you know why the Bible doesn't do that? Because... Those of you that are so carnal that you think salvation is some magical incantation, you know what you all would do? You would all say, well, you know what? I see in the book of Acts where that man knelt at an altar when he got saved. You know, if you're not willing to come kneel at the altar, you didn't get it, folks. You realize that would become a requirement for salvation for some people? Look at what, look at what happened in the book of Acts. Now, if that happened in the book of Acts where somebody does all that, the guy got saved. But is it teaching that we have to do every one of those things? You know, that's not what that, you know, that's not what it would even be there for, but that's exactly what we all would do with it. And then for you, salvation would become where you hear certain words, and it better be the right words, where there's got to be a saved preacher present, and also one more magical item that we have to have in our incantation to make this salvation thing work is you better have a King James Bible in the room. And if it ain't King James, then they didn't get saved. All right, now I might lose some of you with this one right here, but it's getting really weird what people want to do with their King James Bibles. Okay, and folks, I think I've always thought I'm as King James as you can get, but you know, there's been a contest going on for a long time in the Baptist world over who's the most King James, and I don't know where I rank. All right, I've got, you know, I don't know what camp I'm supposed to be in. But let me just tell you what I believe about the King James Bible. I do believe every word of our Bible is true. Now. Don't ask me about the translation stuff because I'm barely lingual, let alone bilingual. Okay? I'm not qualified to speak on that subject. But based on what I'm reading in my King James Bible, 
I do see where God promised to preserve his word, and I believe we've got it. I believe that it is. It's inspired. I, I trust it 100%, whatever it says. I, be, I believe. And a, one of the main reasons, too, it's it's because it's a, it's a spiritual thing for me. It's a faith thing for me. I've seen the fruit of the King James Bible. I've seen the fruit of everyone that gets away from the King James Bible. And you know, to, so to me, there's no doubt. I know what it does in my heart and how I'm vexed when I even hear other versions read. It, it just doesn't do the same thing for me. It bothers me. It grieves me. If I see a pretty picture and it's got a scripture on it and it's not King James, it bugs the fire out of me. And, 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 you know, when I saw Donald Trump holding up his RSV or whatever it was that he had, it just kind of took away the thrill, you know. Hey, you know, I like the idea of a president with the Bible. You know, if he, if he opens it up and reads it, it might do him some good. But then I was like, revised it. Oh, come on. You know, it, it, it just ruined it. Okay, so I think I'm as King James as a person needs to be. But we don't need to get weird about it. And we don't need to start turning what the, the words of the Bible into these magic words and just using these things to just, you know, cause a lot of division and stuff. I personally think it's super weird, and I'm not really interested in it. But let me show you uh, a few verses. Turn over to First Peter chapter 1, because this is the other dumb question people want to ask. This is another dumb question. Can a person get saved without a King James Bible? Okay. Now... Look at what it says in 1 Peter 1, 23, and this is the go-to verse. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. NIV, corruptible seed. New King James, corruptible seed. KJV, that is the, the perfect seed. But here's, here's why this is a dumb question. Okay? So my King James Bible says, for whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what my King James Bible says. So if someone believes on him, then they will not perish and have everlasting life. Y'all understand that? Because my King James Bible says so. Now, but what if somebody goes with an NIV and tells them, hey, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, they didn't get saved. In the magical incantation, you must say believeth instead of believes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, folks, I don't want to change the words. I don't want to update the language. I, I love it the way it is. I, I I don't. But I'm sorry. You're you're turning the words in our King James Bible into magic words, and you're missing the spirit of it. The person believed in their heart. You know, what if the soul winner didn't tell them you'll have eternal life, but you'll live forever? That, that's not in my magical book. You know, that's not an incantation, salvation incantation that I found in my book of magic that I have. It, you realize how carnal that is? It, again, I don't want to change anything. I don't recommend any other Bible. I personally think that if you use other Bibles, it's going to be harder to get to the truth. But if somebody learns a truth in that Bible that matches up with what my King James Bible says then they're going to be saved. And the, the fact that they didn't use all the correct terminology, if they got the spirit of it, if they realized that they need a Savior, if they realized that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and they called on Him, they believed on Him in their heart, they're saved. And you know what I'm not going to do with anybody that comes to this church? I'm not going to ask them, now, hey, when you got saved, we ask them what they believe they have to do to go to heaven. 
We'll ask them about when they got saved. You know what we don't ask people? Who led you to the Lord and are they saved? What Bible did they use when leading to the Lord? What did you pray? Did you pray out loud? Did you at least move your lips? Otherwise, it don't count. Do we do that kind of thing? No, we don't. And what matters is the people who are saved, anybody who's saved, anybody who is saved, their salvation, it's going to match up with what my King James Bible says. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to get too caught up in what version were they reading and all that other stuff. These are dumb things that get us distracted that people use to cause division over, and that's not, that's not what it's there for. So, uh, John 15, uh, you know, it said, and people like, you know, they do that, you know, they try to say, you know, this is the corruptible, you know, this is corruptible seed, you know, they're a bad tree. Again, using these analogies, but again, Jesus is the tree. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Our we are, we are his fruit. Jesus is the tree that I'm attached to. Jesus is the word of God. And if you have Jesus, then you have salvation. A end of story. And there are so many there. And the thing is, too, it's like you know, I've heard people say, well, you can lead somebody to the Lord out of an NIV Bible. But at some point they had to have, you know, gotten some scripture from the King James Bible because that is the seed. So maybe that billboard that they saw on the road or, you know, that uh, other presentation they heard one time, you know, that it finally took root. Folks, there are so many things that brought all of us to salvation. We all we don't know what. Okay. We all have maybe certain things that we remember, you know, key events. But what the the path from our birth to our new birth, all right, there were many things that took place. There was probably many uh, times we heard the word of God. I'm not really worried about tracking all these things down to find out if I had all the magical artifacts that I'm supposed to have to make a salvation incantation work. I don't need to do that. Here's what I need to do right now. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you better believe I've got the Holy Spirit. You know, if I if I have any doubts, I can look in my King James Bible and see for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I did that. Yeah, but when you learn that, the Bible you're reading said whoever. Yeah, but this one says whosoever, and I'm a whosoever. Doesn't matter if the word was wrong. Okay, what if I'm what if I'm preaching the gospel to somebody and I I mess up the verse, I don't say it right. Is that person now not capable of getting saved? No, if they got the message, they got saved based on the word of God. So as long as somebody's salvation matches up with what my King James Bible says, they're good. Doesn't matter if it was their present when they got saved. So it's just a really weird thing that I think people use to want to cause division. Okay, I get it. I hate other Bibles. I hate other Bibles. I wish people didn't use them. And I wish I could throw everybody in hell that uses other Bibles, but I don't really know if that's appropriate, or if I, and I'm definitely not allowed to do it. But that's what it's like what people are trying to do. So many people, though, they know the facts, they can quote the verses, yet they still miss the whole point, and they don't have these things in their heart. Even though in Romans 10, it also says, for with the heart, man believe it. It says with the heart. Confession is made, or with mouth confession is made of salvation. It says these things, it talks about it being from the heart, and yet they still miss it. When these things are not in your heart, then you are not going to know what to do with them, and they will not guide you. Many people today, and there's a lot of them in this movement, a lot of people that listen to this preaching, they've got the facts in their head, 
They know what to say, but they don't have it in their heart. And that's why they do a lot of the dumb stuff they do. That's why they follow a lot of the false doctrine that they follow. You know why? Because it's not in their heart. They don't know how to apply anything. They, when they read things in the law of God, they read the commandments, they don't know how to apply it. Why? Because it's not in their heart. When these things are in your heart, okay? Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Because the Bible doesn't explain every possible situation and scenario that you can ever be in. But if the Word of God is in your heart, you're going to know what to do. But for some people, it's not there. It's only in the head. So when they're in a weird situation, they're not going to get it right. They're going to mess it up. And you've got to understand, this Bible is a spiritual book. And many of the truths in it are spiritually discerned. A Jehovah's Witness can memorize my, a King James Bible just like a Baptist can. They can do it. But they don't get it. They don't understand it. it doesn't do, they, a Jehovah's Witness might be able to beat me in a Bible trivia contest. But does that all of a sudden mean they're more saved? No. If they, do, if they still can't figure out salvation is not of works, they're missing the point somewhere. If they, I just talked to one yesterday that doesn't believe heaven's real. So she doesn't want to go to heaven. She wants to stay on earth. It, and I, you know, and I'm sure if we talked to her, she probably would have known a lot of scripture, but she's obviously not understanding some things, and because there are things, the Word of God, it is, it's a spiritual book, and anyone who is capable of reading can read it and learn what it says. And many people listen to preaching and they learn what it says, but they don't know how to apply it. Because it's something that God gave, not just for physical or for physical knowledge and mental knowledge we can get puffed up with. He gave it so we can get, gain the spiritual truths and we can walk in the spirit and then we can actually get victory over our flesh. And if you don't have that part of the scriptures, then congratulations. You know what? I got people right now just looking for opportunities to reprobate me for something. Alright? And you know what? Bring it. Okay. Bring it. I I don't give a rip. Okay, just mark it down, folks. In the new IFB world, we're all going to get reprobated eventually. Okay, just just mark it down. As soon as the as soon as the you know drama soap opera gets boring again, it always helps to liven things up a little bit by another reprobation. All right. Okay, so it's going to come on all of us eventually. I'm going to get it probably today after this. Okay. Eventually, I'll, I'll probably get it too. But, but at, at the end of the day, you know, it's not hard to reprobate somebody. We all mess up. We all have sins. We all say things wrong. If you're looking for something to condemn me with, you're probably going to find something. But you know what? He does not sin among you. Let him cast the first stone. Okay? And just mark it down. You're reprobating, reprobating me today. You're going to get reprobated tomorrow. And just remember that in case you get tempted to get involved and some of these, you know, just crazy lynch mob wolf packs just going after people like that, you're going to get it eventually. Just mark it down. We all got it. We all got it coming our way. And you know what? When I get reprobated, I'm just going to laugh at it. Uh, it's just going to be funny to me because these people obviously haven't got a spiritual bone in their body. And you know what? I'm not really interested and people who aren't interested in the things of the Spirit. Okay? Our fellowship, it's with the Father and His Son. We've got the Holy Spirit. These are the things that unite us. They don't usually cause us to just reprobate everybody. 
And, and I, I think it's time we start being a little more spiritual and getting the spiritual truths. I love, I love learning facts and hitting people over the head with them too. It's fun because I get in the flesh sometimes. I, I like that. But what good is it? I, I was listening to some people were trashing Jack Hiles here a while back because there was some clip, and I won't quote it exactly right what he was saying, but he was talking in there about, you know, these, these preachers that do their expository preaching and preaching through all these, you know, preaching through all the Bible. And, he, and they were acting like he was criticizing, you know, preaching through the Bible and preaching all the doctrines and everything. But what he was, the point he was trying to get across there is who cares if you know all that stuff, if you know all that Bible, if you're not doing the Bible. If you're not doing these things, who cares if you know them? Great. You can quote all the verses about the love of God, but you have no love for anybody else. Who cares? Okay. And that's how a lot of people are right now. They can quote more verses about the love of God than I can, but they have none. So you know what? They got nothing from it. Nothing. There's some people, they all they know is God is love, but they actually love people. You know what? They're doing better than that other person that's got the head knowledge. And I think that was the point he was trying to get across, and I think it's a good point. And I hope you all keep learning your Bible. I hope you all keep reading. I hope you all keep studying. I hope you all keep learning things. But I hope you learn these things so you can be a better Christian. Not so you can get puffed up with pride and find out, you know, more evidence and information so you'll know how to reprobate people when they've got it coming. I, I think that's dumb. But anyway, with that, let's pray to your Lord. I thank you so much for your word. I pray to your God will help us to learn from these things, Lord. Help us to uh, look, Lord, for the spiritual meaning of these things so we'll actually know how to apply it in our life and how it can guide us and help us, Lord. Help us not to just read our Bible so we can get puffed up and lifted up with pride and knowledge that we have and the knowledge that we have but we will uh, use these things to help us be better servants of you so we can have a better relationship with you in your name we pray amen